now that uh, there's really nothing to lose, might as well take a shot. I'm famous. And a post. Is there an underground scene in a post-apocalyptic world? Is there? Is there like uh, some type of like underground when everybody's underground? What do you think it's called when people are sheltered in place? Shelter in place. What does that mean? Even? New Yorkers are supposed to shelter in place. Okay. Isn't that a little bit like in the 50s when they told everybody to hide under their desk in case a nuclear bomb was dropped? All right, everybody, I want you to put your hands over your head and hop. We're going to hide under our desks. Why? Well, because if the bomb goes off, this will protect us. You think any kid? I mean, that must have scared the, the, the hell out of them. Okay, drill time, 30 seconds. Get under your desk, everybody. Now the bomb is coming. And we saw it with that bomb, did man? It would have turned to dust. I liken this very much to... Look, there's a theory. And this is what I wanted to talk about today. I want to talk about catastrophism. There's a theory that exists that especially in science that any talk of catastrophe, for instance the biblical stories of the floods that exist in every ancient civilization pretty much the same story, right? Uh, to equate that to any kind of scientific uh, or natural narrative that is based on any kind of reality is almost sacrilegious. It is sacrilegious. People will hate you for it. They'll say like, ah, asshole, jerk. Here we go, just another hole. I just self-bleeped. But uh, what I'm saying is there's something in science called gradualism, especially when we talk about uh, the evolution or the geological terms, especially. We like to think of processes as occurring very much the way that we see them today. So the way that we observe erosion today, that's the way erosion happened 10,000 years ago. And we believe very much that civilization we've been around for a couple hundred thousand years, humans, but uh, really about five, six thousand years ago that is when we began to go from being hunter-gatherers to being uh, able to recognize the significance of agricultural agricultural development which allowed us to, according to Maslow's hierarchy, as long as we had shelter, food, all right, and and, uh, basically were not uh, fighting to stay alive, that we could then think. And if you have this for a long enough period, then you can help have self-actualization. Well, okay. 
we've gone beyond that. We've gone to the point now where you can really sit if you want and eat Twinkies and watch a never-ending stream of entertainment until you are so fat you explode. And then someone will even come and clean that up eventually as long as somebody complains about it. Someone ate themselves to death on the seventh floor. But okay, back to catastrophism. So, what I mean is, NASA says that there are a thousand objects that are potentially dangerous enough to hit Earth. But don't worry, because we know about them, and it's not going to happen in our lifetimes. Probably not in several several lifetimes, maybe a thousand years. Well, that's the ones we know about. Now, we know one hit the Earth about 64 million years ago. Dinosaurs died. We know about the Tengvisca event, which wiped out about 3 million trees. If that happened over a city and not northern Siberia, it would have wiped out about the size of London and you can imagine how many people live in London so that would have been and that happened in 1910 I believe so we would have perhaps started to look up at the sky a little bit more often and then in 2013 in Russia we had that just that small thing that exploded above the earth it didn't hit the earth and that was enough to uh, injure several thousand people and hit buildings if that had come in at just a little bit of a steeper angle that would have been pretty bad. So what we have now is this imp- uh, this impending doom. But no one can see it. Uh, we can't feel it unless you're sick. And uh, at this point, we only really understand this threat as uh, something that happens from afar. We've seen pictures in China. Uh, all we know now is that there are measures that are being taken which are extraordinary. In fact, they're beyond extraordinary. They are unprecedented. And in fact, unprecedented doesn't even really really quite do it justice because we're talking about intergenerational unprecedentedness. So we really have to go back to the Great Depression to understand this event because the Great Depression, it happened, my grandfather sold apples. Okay, he's still alive. He's 178 years old. No, he's, he's 96, but... My point is uh, that we are entering into this kind of territory now, and nobody understands what's happening. That's why I want to start the podcast, because I wanted to begin the process now, while I'm still driving and there's still cars, and I want to see what begins to happen as people begin to get sick. I want to say for the record that I believe, I'm going to try to say a uh, apolitical, at least for right now, but let's concede that the CDC absolutely bungled their response because of certain rules and regulations and human error and denial, denialism, uh, which again links back to this idea that Uh, We have a big problem with any kind of catastrophe. And so we like to think in safer 
terms. So, for instance, like I was saying before, uh, we know, if you don't know about the channeled scablands out west, if you don't understand the Finger Lakes and how they were formed, how erratics happen, how glaciers formed during the Ice Age, uh, well, for those of you who don't under, don't know, about 11,600 years ago, we were launched into an Ice Age. Um, we're talking about over the course of weeks, the Earth went from being a little hotter than it is now to the Earth uh, going into a period, about a 1,500-year period of absolute total uh, hell. And many woolly mammoths were frozen in place, meaning that they we've uncovered uh, in former boreal forests the remains of hundreds of thousands of woolly mammoths, but fields of woolly mammoths. And in some event, uh, they found, and you can look it up, there's pictures of uh, this one particular mammoth that was eating some flowers and suddenly was blown back with such force that he broke his two back legs and then froze. And he froze so that the remains, the flowers he was eating in his stomach, which by the way only grew in the spring, were still in his stomach, which means that he didn't have time to digest them. He was literally eating them when this happened. And that he froze and stayed frozen until they found him. And I forget what it was, the 1950s. Uh, I, I don't quote, I gotta look that up. So, in order, there was a, a very famous businessman. Uh, I can't think of the company name, but he's the guy that discovered how to really freeze food. Okay? And when he uh, did the scientific measurements he found out that this mammoth would need it would take about I think he said 16 hours at most for this mammoth to become solid in the way that it did and so we're talking about the earth going from about 80 degrees 70 degrees to negative to, I mean, I, I would get back with the number, but cold enough that you could freeze a mammoth within 16 hours. So, that happened. There's different theories as to what caused the glaciers, which were two miles thick, that extended all the way from Antarctica all the way down to New York City, pretty much all the way down to Philadelphia, two miles six of ice. And we know that the end of the Ice Age, it happened very rapidly. And there was catastrophic flooding. And the idea floated out there. Now that we found different sites that were are 12,000, 13,000 years old, is that perhaps our society rebooted about six, 7,000 years ago. That... There was 
a high civilization before that. I'm not talking about aliens. I'm talking about an intellectually developed civilization. And that, and that things like architecture and agriculture didn't just suddenly magically pop up, okay, about 6,000 years ago out of nowhere. This knowledge was passed down. Okay, so, back to today. Well, it's very tough for us to deal with these kinds of things. Because if you tell people in one foul swoop, Hey, today you're at work. Why don't you take your work home? Uh, just so you know, you're not going to be back here. Uh, we're not sure, but probably it's going to be three, four months. And uh, you might have to shelter in place. And uh, yeah, lots of hundreds of thousands of millions of people might die. Okay, see you guys later. We can't do that. Because then people would freak out. Right? So I think they're slow rolling the news out right now. That's what they're doing. And look. This is good. This this podcast that uh, I'm making. I hope that it stirs people up. I There's going to be those that are going to attack me. There's going to be those that want to listen. And we're not just going to talk about boring things like geology, but I want to hear from you people, I want people to call me, to write me messages, to tell me what they're experiencing, because I'm going to tell you right now, okay, that the mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, has, if nothing else, a responsibility not to freak out their audience, they need to tell the truth, but they cannot, um, journal, journalistically, they have a responsibility to um, both weigh the cost of telling the truth, and of course, the golden rule in medicine is to do no harm above anything else. Same thing is true from psychology and in general. You don't want to do more harm by whatever action you're going to take. Okay, so the other reason is because this is unprecedented and because this hasn't happened in our lifetimes, not even in our grandparents' lifetime, we need to understand as this thing is happening in slow motion, because there is no physicality to it, there's no monster, there's no asteroid, right? There's no flood, there's no choppers that are flying over. Uh, Louisiana that's underwater people on roofs instead people are in their homes eating potato chips watching Netflix saying what the fuck that's what's happening so I want to hear from you I want to know what you're hearing if you're sick um, if children are getting sick and let this be a learning time of learning because this is the other thing and let's say it does get really bad well guys we do have food we've got water we have infrastructure we still have roads okay we will survive but we are going to have to 
take this time and we're going to have to think. And that's not that that is something people do not like to do. They like to move forward. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be very confused, especially in America, because it's about what can you do for me right now? I want my Amazon product right now. I want my pizza now. I want my fast food now. I want to know how we can make these numbers improve by the end of today so that this month we're not in the red. What do we have to do this quarter to improve and to show that we are not losers because we're not going to lose money? Okay. Okay. So now we know we're losing money. This is not a question of losing money. It's lost. It's just a matter of how much. And we know it's a lot. When they talk about a trillion dollar stimulus, last time they floated that was the financial crisis in 2008. That took several years to get out of. People are still feeling the pain, especially minorities. If you don't uh, know, look at the rate of homeowners, black homeowners, before the housing crisis. Look at it uh, now. Okay, so... We don't know what we're dealing with, but we're dealing with something. And uh, it's very important that we understand on a human level uh, what it means now that we are not planning and leveraging every resource for short-term gain, what we're going to do to prepare for the future. Now, I think this is a silver lining. It's not a silver lining. I don't know what kind of lining it is. Maybe it's the lining that we need not in some kind of analytical terms. In other words, not an analogy or a metaphor. But the lining that protects us from the gamma rays and the greenhouse gases and all that stuff. Global warming. We got to figure maybe that out, right? Maybe we have to slow down and slow a roll and think about what it means to be alive. See, it's about a lot more than just one thing. It's about a lot more than, fuck man, I can't go to work. What? I can't go to the gym? Yeah, you were excited last week when you heard that you might have a week off. But your brain didn't allow you to think that in that week, we were just taking that week so that we could begin to brace ourselves for the next week, which was going to unfold. And that next week came, and we knew that the next week after that was going to be uncertain. But really, we knew that this virus was out there. And we knew, and that's the first time I've even said the word, we know that it is here. But what does it mean? You tell me. Do you think that good can come out of this? How much money do we need to lose? How much time do we need to lose? How many people need to die for there to be change? What causes change? I bet you're washing your hands a lot more than you were two weeks ago. I'm going to tell you one thing. 
if nothing else, there is time to build relationships now. I heard this, I don't know if it's true, because I heard it secondhand, but I heard that there was a lot of people in China that came out of quarantine with their what husband or wife, and they filed for divorce in record numbers. <laughs> um, so maybe we can avoid that. Maybe we can do that by making my uh, podcast very popular so that I can come out of this uh, crisis uh, with a new hobby. I always tell people, I don't care about money. It's the thing I think about least. Um, but that doesn't mean that when I think about it, I don't want lots of it, right? But I, I just, it's not what makes me happy. What would make me happy is love. I want to be in love. I want to have a wife and some children's. And um, I know what you're saying, those of you with wives and children's, is that you wish that you didn't have, well, you're not going to say that, but you're going to say, oh, what, to be single. Well, the grass is so greener on the other side, right? It's human nature. It's human nature that we don't like to think that, ah, there's going to be a solar burst. It's going to wipe out all of our electronics and we're going to have to figure out how are we going to live now. Well, that didn't happen. There's no rock that's going to hit us. No, this is a slow motion uh, pandemic. It happened in 1918. We call it the pandemic flu of 1918, but really it was the pandemic of in 1918, 1919. So we like to keep things nice and short, right? 1918, flu of 1918. Now it was two years. So just so you guys understand, people got sick like they are now. It went away when it got warm. We don't know why that happens. And then the next fall, the next winter, that's when everyone died. So yeah, could be here for a while. So let this be the first podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 17th. It's been 22 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, Again, this will be a forum to talk about other things, not just the coronavirus or... uh, And what is it called? The... uh, well, I know it's a novel virus, but it's a, uh, well, I'll, I'll remember, but Corona. So we'll also talk about, we'll talk about everything, guys. We'll talk about everything. But in um, just to sum everything up, what I was trying to say is that in general, we have something deep within us, okay, that'll, that prevents us from considering that the worst can will actually happen. We can absolutely imagine it happening. We can make movies about it. But we cannot actually think in those terms. And maybe it's because we just, in order to survive and to plan, cannot think that way. It makes a lot of sense. But that does uh, it does us another kind of harm. Because on the other hand, there's a reality... And we need to face that reality. 
And so this thing that I referred to earlier about gradualism, why did I bring that up? Well, because there was a big debate in geology, okay, uh, in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and the debate was that there was a huge, incredible flood that caused the channeled scablands, okay? Uh, there was a huge, huge flood, but that this water, okay, they didn't know where the source of the water came from, and they liked to say that these features, which if you look at the features and you really take time, especially from above, you recognize when you see ripples over thousands of miles of land, like you see when you see the waves over sand at the beach down in Margate or wherever in Florida, but you see that over land and those ripples are 70 feet tall Okay, you begin to understand that, that that was a thousand feet of water rushing over land. And they know that this happened now. I think the guy's name was Jay Holland Breck. That was the, uh, the guy that had the theory that there was this gigantic flood and that it didn't happen over thousands of years like everybody was saying, but that it happened in a week. And uh, he uh, got roasted. His career was ruined just for proposing it. Same thing that happened with uh, the hypothesis about the dinosaurs. Now, the only reason they found that crater was because when an asteroid hits the Earth, okay, it changes the magnetic resonance over that area. And so there was a gentleman who was flying over the oceans looking for a variation uh, in the magnetic force and he noticed this particular period or this area whoa what's going on and then they did the survey and they found boom right there down near Mexico I forget what it's called right now but uh, they found where that asteroid hit that killed the dinosaurs um, they're pretty sure that the dinosaurs died all within 24 hours. Definitely within two or three days. And, uh, the only things that did survive were an unassuming mammal. That's the only reason we're here, guys. So thank that little mammalian. Okay, this is Reed signing off. I hope that this, uh, cheered you up. I just want you to know that I actually am a funny person. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about myself later. But for now, I want you to think about others. I want you to wash your hands, and I want you to take care of others. And I want you to listen. And I want you not to freak out. And I want you to think more than just watching the news and repeating the news. I want you to think more about what is possible. And I want you to prepare what does that mean? I don't know. I live with my brother. The thing that we've done in order to get along better is we've finally been able to be honest with each other. Just be honest, not be passive-aggressive. 
I don't even know why I'm saying that, but I'm just saying that it's because we live together. And right now, a lot of people, you don't have a choice. You're going to not have your routine where you see each other 37 minutes a day and you all have your responsibilities. Not Now you're forced. You're forced to confront whatever dynamics, whatever walls have been built up over time. Well, now you're stuck. You got a little chisel. And, uh, you know, you're an Alcatraz and it might take, might take, you can escape, but it's going to take some time to chisel away. So whatever analogy you want to use, guys, whatever you want to use, how does it feel to be on your own, like a rolling stone, like a complete unknown? Holla back, woot! No, I don't want to end that way, but all right, talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.